Hey, how are you? Picks got breakdown. Colter Nuanas. As always, you can find this podcast, SkylineSportsMT.com. Happy December, December 4th, December 7th. Playoff games in both Missoula and Bozeman. What a great time to be alive. We've been waiting for this time for a long time. Big time Big Sky Conference advocates, and we love the Big Sky Conference in terms of just the breadth and fascinating stories. And there's just all sorts of rich and a lot of times untapped content in this league. And the Big Sky Conference is at its best when Montana and Montana State are among the top teams in the Big Sky Conference. We know the majority of the people who listen to this podcast are Montana and Montana State supporters, so we love when the Cats and the Grizz are both in the playoffs, and they both are. They're both seeded teams. They're both hosting first-round playoff games. So Brooks Nuanez, Jason Bocci, Tom Stuber are going to be uh, in Bozeman for the Skyline Sports um, for Montana State's game against Albany. And myself, Blake Hempstead, Ryan Tuta will be in Missoula for Montana's game against Southeastern Louisiana. In this podcast, we'll hear from Brooks Nuanas breaking down the Cat Grizz game. Have not got his thoughts on the 48-14 butt whooping that the Montana State Bobcats put on the number three Montana Grizz. That helped the Bobcats secure that number five seed. The Grizz, they get the sixth seed despite the loss. The other two Big Sky teams seeded. Weber State, they're number three. Sac State, they're number four. So if Weber State can take care of business against Kennesaw State and Montana can take care of business against Southeastern Louisiana, a rematch from a couple weeks back in Ogden, Utah. If Sac State can get past Austin P and the Bobcats can get past the Great Danes, rematch from in October between Montana State and Sacramento State, but this one in Sacramento. If there's upsets, the Cats and the Grizz, they can keep hosting games, but we'll get there when they get there. Haven't caught up with Brooks about the Cat-Grizz game yet, though, so we'll get his thoughts on that as well as just sort of the arc of these two programs and where they're at heading in the playoffs, some of the mental factors that go into getting ready for the playoffs, and then we'll hear from a couple of the different subjects from schools that are coming from 2,300-plus miles away. We'll hear from Frank Selfo, the head coach at Southeastern Louisiana, we will also hear from Greg Gattuso, the head coach at Albany. And we will also hear from Jeff Underclufer, the redshirt freshman quarterback for the Albany Great Danes. He's thrown a FCS record, 39 touchdown passes as a redshirt freshman. So it was fun catching up with him as well. As always, Big Sky Breakdown brought to you in part by Town Pump. Town Pump, Montana's best since 1953. I know there's going to be people driving all over the state this weekend to get to these playoff games so please be safe and if you need anything whether it's window washer fluid or a little bit of oil to top you off something to drink some caffeine to keep you alert on the road you need some gas whatever you need town pump's got you covered no matter where you're at in montana there's a town pump near you big set breakdown also presented in part by selway armory there's a selway armory in both these college towns so go check them out they got great inventory when it comes to firearms experts in the firearm field so they can get you all hooked up with whatever you're in the market for great holiday gifts whether whether it's a firearm a handgun ammunition whatever you might need for all you firearm enthusiasts out there so i always got you covered with locations in both missoula and bozeman without further ado brooks nuanas big sky breakdown leading up to the second round of the fcs playoffs Hey, yo, Big Sky Breakdown, Coulter Nuanas. Welcome back. Joined now by Brooks Nuanas, SkylineSportsMT.com. And as always, that's where you can find this podcast, SkylineSportsMT.com. The postseason, back in action, postseason football, back in the state of Montana, both sides of the continental divide. Something we've been looking forward to at Skyline Sports for quite some time. We launched this thing 2015, and we've had a playoff team in the Montana Grizzlies that first year. They won one game and then lost to North Dakota State. 
We had a playoff team in the Bobcats last year. They won one game and lost North Dakota State, but not the prolonged, epic, fun, and captivating playoff runs of our youth that both teams were able to cultivate, particularly Montana, last decade. And so now with Montana and Montana State both getting seeds in the FCS playoffs, this is something we've been waiting for for a long time. Yeah, man. I mean, gosh. I wish it wasn't North Dakota State every year that was beating these Montana teams, but it seems to be that way. I would take it again just to be in the playoffs. It feels good, uh, both Montana schools. You know, the health, the health of the Big Sky, the health of the conference, flies so much within the health of these two Montana football programs, and both seem to be trending upward. Montana State seems to be quite stable right now with Jeff Choate, and, you know, Bobby Hawk put together quite a season. Uh, not the emphatic end that you'd want, um, losing to Montana State handedly in Bozeman. But overall, pretty pretty hard to argue that the Montana Grizzlies are probably a, a year or two ahead of the timeline that Coach Hug established you know, early on in his tenure. Is there anything you can point to as to why? I mean, in your opinion, why have they been better than, I guess, better more quickly than we maybe expected? I mean, yeah, it's, it's probably low-hanging fruit, but Dalton Smith's a pretty good quarterback. Uh, you know, I think the quarterback, especially at this level, you can either have a guy that's functional and can get it done, or you can have a guy that's that is a superstar, and Dalton Sneed fits the ladder right. uh, as well as anyone. Uh, even with his injuries, I think that he set the tone and the pace of the team. Uh, I think that a lot of defenses playing the Montana Grizzlies were on their heels just due to the momentum that they were carrying, even when Dalton Sneed wasn't in and backup Cam Humphrey was. I think there was a lot of momentum built by Sneed, a lot of confidence within the offense, and as well within the play callers. I mean, you saw a lot of guys. They, they weren't being the same every week. Even when they lose Sammy Kim, they could still plug and play a lot of different guys. Right. Um, I think that's due to a lot of – it's a little bit more of a, of a true offense rather than um, a week-to-week scheme. They truly have a deep playbook that they can go to in any situation, and the play callers have become so functional in that. So I would probably point to that most of all. Yeah, I think that's a huge factor for sure. I also think that Montana – I think the two other factors that are definitely worth pointing out and necessary to point out is, one, the coaching. I think that the coaching – Particularly the offensive play calling, I think, has been outstanding. I think Tim Rosenbaugh has been awesome. He, they have been, they have far exceeded the production that I expected them to have. Particularly in the run game. I mean, think of this: like Montana last year, their offensive line was not good. They did not have very good running backs, and they still rushed for 165 yards a game, which is not like a crazy number, but it's a functional number to be certain. And you know, they really struggled converting short yardage downs, and we know all that, but. The fact that they were able to ru- able to even run at all helped them open up a lot of stuff, and then that's translated now into when you get better personnel, you know, like Marcus Knight, like an improved Dalton Sneed, like a reinvigorated Samari Toure, you know, like uh, an improved Sa- Sammy Akim, and all of a sudden your offense is really explosive. And then I think the other two factors is one effort. I mean, they, they you could just see the renewed effort. They're just playing harder, especially on defense. Just the the priority of running to the ball. Like the first year and a half, you're going to practice. They were always talking about loafs. Who's loafing? How many loafs did we have last game? We're going to do pursuit drill as many times per loaf as we had last game. I remember they had something like 37 loafs in a game midway through last year, and these guys are doing pursuit drill and running until they're puking. And now they do pursuit drill for you know two or three times at the beginning of practice. So they've really improved running to the ball. But to me, one of the biggest factors has just been the fact that they had the courage to – tear down the offensive line. It wasn't I mean they tried so many different guys there last year and rather just than just picking five and trying to develop them, they kept working at it. They kept searching. They hit the JC ranks. They get Cordell Pilons and Moses Mallory. 
they continue to develop some of the young guys. But then they they went outside the box and they take a a former high school and college NAIA level quarterback in Dallas Cook and turn excuse me in Dylan Cook Dallas Cook's his older brother in Dylan Cook turn him into an offensive tackle and now they actually have competition at the offensive tackle spot. Last year it was Conlon Beaver and Colton Kites and that's it and and even if those guys weren't ready it didn't matter because that's all they had and now they have another guy to at least push it on help them the rest of the guys improve. And then move inside Sermon to center. I mean, the fact that he got second team all league, I think, is a true testament to how important he was to the Grizz. Because I mean, he he certainly revolutionized the way that they play offense, both in terms of pre snap stuff, being able to, being able to identify stuff, but also just the trust that the quarterbacks have in him and his ability to be a leader. And then Angel Villanueva, you know them them not resting on the laurels of experience. The guy is a four-year starter, and they didn't they weren't scared to bench him, to motivate him, and then make him lose weight. And then now that he came back full strength, he's a third-team all-league guy too. So uh, to me, just the courage to revamp the offensive line helped him improve that position so much. Yeah, and I think anyone on the Big Sky Breakdown, I didn't know we were going to give a whole roster I mean, I could go through each and every position, and <laughs> and there's also there's clearly improvements on all sides of the ball. I'll say this too, and I mean this in a good way because I, I have quite a bit of confidence in the in the in the what, what will be left over after this year, as well as the recruiting abilities of Bobby Houck and, and said staff. But you know, you walk into a position where you have Dante Olson um, defensively. Sure, a lot of guys like Alex Gubner up front, and uh, and and Bryson Deming. And, you know, there's a lot of different guys that can play. I hope I got the Deming defensive end first name right. Twin. Tough Bra- Braden is the one that plays D-line. Braden, Bryson is the Braden tight end. Braden, De- Braden, uh, Braden Deming and, and Alex Gubner. And then you throw in Shane O'Connell and some guys like this that are producing at a high level. Well, you hope that they continue to do that when they don't have Dante Olsen in the middle. You can, you can build quite a defensive scheme around a guy like that. It's not necessarily a plug-and-play thing, but you can sure cover up a bunch of young guys up front. Uh, with effort when you have a guy who can run the ball like Dante Olson. I think the same goes on the offensive side. I already mentioned Dalton Sneed, but there's a, you know, they have some serious pieces that were not too difficult to build around. I think you would have really had to be uh, have your thumb, thumb up your butt squarely to not have a team that could produce with Dalton Sneed and Dante Olson. Um, that being said, I do think that they have some depth that has been you know renewed under how you spoke to the offensive line. Um, I think that they have some depth uh, – at linebacker, a little bit, even though they don't rotate a whole ton on defense. Uh, but, you know, defensive back, they do not, which I'll be interested to see how that, that plays out. Um, but up front, offensive line, uh, running back, they have depth. I thought that Nick Osmo was a, was a pretty interesting freshman, didn't know what to think of him. Started out, you know, not necessarily with a hot hand, but later in the season as Marcus Knight had a couple different fumbles, a kid that really provided a lot of depth and kind of a different one-two punch there at running back, which has always been needed for the Grizz. You mentioned last year only having one running back uh, who was not necessarily the strongest the strongest candidate to take you to a championship. Um, I think that they have prov- uh, also got some depth on, on both sides of the ball, so positions that are integral to a kind of a Hulk run team. Took last week off from the Big Sky Breakdown because these two teams took the last week off. We did all sorts of breakdowns of the – 119th Cat Grizz game on Tutel Nuanas 102.9 ESPN Missoula as well as statewide SWX Montana Television, the only statewide talk show in the state of Montana. And but Brooks, we have not caught up about it on the record here. So uh, first of all, we'll get into some of the improvements of the Cats as well, just like we did with the Grizz. But overall, Montana State 382 rushing yards, 
in a 48-14 beatdown of Montana. And in our lifetime, the Cats have never beat the Grizz like that. The Grizz have beat the Cats like that a couple times, but maybe no. maybe not even like that. Not not by thirty four mm-hmm. points. I mean, the thirty five to three in two thousand eight, my senior year of college, comes to mind as a uh, a dominant Grizz win. But in terms of just boat racing a team like Montana State boat raced Montana, I mean, you and I were sitting in the in the south end zone together on the sideline for the first quarter of this game, and Montana State left no doubt. I mean, they smacked Montana square in the mouth, and they never let off the gas, and they pounded them. They absolutely destroyed the Grizzlies, and I can't remember the Grizz losing a game like that since we moved to Montana in 1993 to the Bobcats or otherwise. I cannot remember the Grizz getting beat down like that ever before. Well, yeah, because they haven't, because no one gets beat down like that. I mean, it's – I. Yeah, thirty-five to three. Like I don't know. I've seen scores like that. Teams score thirty-five all the time. You don't just get you know a fifty burger hung on you. And that was they were just a couple. They were a field goal short at the at the end of the first half, where Bobby Houck literally had to throw in every magical special teams scenario he had to make sure that they got a penalty and a timeout and ice the kicker and miss a fifty-yarder just to hang on to not let them score fifty. So yeah, no one gets beat like that. That's why we had never seen the Grizz because. In all of time, I mean, I've seen Stephen F. Austin get beat by the Grizz 51, 52 to 0 in the 2009 playoffs. Besides that, man, no one gets beat like that. And when you watch the film back, you watch the tape, you know, there's a lot. I mean, one thing that we always try to remind people is both sides of the coin can be true. Montana State can whip Montana's ass while also Montana could have some schematic errors and some ill preparation that caused them to not be able to find their footing. Both things can be true. Montana State can play significantly better and be more um, passionate about the game as well as the Grizz folding in the moment or you know, just the momentum getting away from them or being banged up or being hurt. All of it can be true. I think all of it was true. But when you watch the film back – Montana's been playing what Bobby Houck has, has joked, called it the voodoo defense, this high-pressure, high-blitzing defense where they have – you never know what the front's going to be. I mean, they have three guys down, but sometimes they have a fourth. Sometimes they have a stand-up guy on the edge of the line. Sometimes they have two stand-up guys. Sometimes they heat you up up the middle. Sometimes they run that double A-gap blitz. Sometimes they run one linebacker behind the other. Sometimes they're running run stunts where you're just flowing to whichever way the ball carrier goes. And all of it has been really successful this year. I mean, they they stuffed Weber State. They gave them only 1.9 yards per carry. They uh, were leading the Big CI Conference in rushing defense entering this Cat Grizz game. But they played a light box for the majority of the year, mostly just six guys in the box. They've trusted their safeties to be good open field tacklers. They've trusted Robbie Houck to run the alleys. But Montana State utterly exploited it. They ran all sorts of jet sweep motions to get the safeties' head spinning. And then once that once their heads were spinning and they couldn't have an extra guy in the box, which they never really did anyways, then they just started gashing them. They would direct snap to Isaiah Infante, power with Logan Jones, counter, this, that, the next. They ran every run concept in the books. And then you look at you rewatch the game on film too, and you look at the way the offensive line blocked. I mean, Mitch brought through Dante Olsen into the field goal net on the sidelines. <laughs> he is on top of him multiple times. I mean, flat backing the best inside linebacker in the country. And so I think it was a, a combination of out-scheming, out-coaching, out-executing 
but also just outmanning. I mean, Montana State straight up outmanned Montana. They physically dominated the game. I thought Montana State's offensive line played its best game that they have played in the Jeff Choate era, and that resulted in 382 yards rushing, the most in the history of the Cat Grizz game and the 11th most in the history of Montana State University. Yeah, I it's you couldn't really said it a whole lot better. It's hard to describe how bad you can get your ass kicked but <laughs> in every single phase. I mean, I, it, that's how that happens. Uh, I I was a little disappointed in Montana in the, in, in the lack of uh, of of second half adjustments. Um, they didn't adjust anything. They just kept getting run, run right run down right down their throat. Well, that's the whole thing, though, is that they're never they have never adjusted this year. There's never right. a time when they're like, "Wow, this is a pretty good offense. We should maybe play three linebackers on first down." Like they've never done it. They don't rotate at all. I've never seen a team that rotates less. They play the three safeties every now and then. They'll take Robertson out. Right. They play the three safeties. They never they, play they a, rotate, a third corner. They rotate that edge guy. That the they call it the Reb. The yeah, like O'Connell, Ryder Rice, uh, sometimes Jed Nagler. Um, sometimes, uh, I mean, I guess even uh, you know, Michael Grossman hasn't really played, even though he played a bunch in the offseason. But yeah, they rotate that spot. But you're right, the rest Bab- of his... Bab- Babros and Malula all play. They but Malula play... was out for this game, so right, uh, they that... play seven guys on the edge, right, and they kind of play the hot hand. They mostly just rotate like it's little Grizz. I, you know, I think that their defensive scheme is so innovative that. I love watching it because I'm a defensive schematic kind of guru. I think it's great what they do. I can't believe they don't rotate. But I thought it was so interesting just to dig your heels in and say, this is what we do, come beat us. And as they continue to beat you worse and worse and worse, you continue to say, well, this is what we're going to roll with. It just seems that at some point you would put in a third linebacker or you would add a a fifth defensive lineman um, against, you know, they're playing a six-man box against a nine-man offensive box for the Montana State Bobcats. I in all of football, you get a hat on a hat. There's no small, nothing more simple than addition and subtraction. Um, when you're talking about box count, everyone could count to eight, um, and if you can count to nine, well, then you're just even luckier. Um, this is a thing that I've seen the Grizz do all season, and it was a thing that I saw as a weakness. And I think that Montana State did a pretty good job of exploiting it. Now, will Montana? Now that that film is out there, will Montana put in a couple packages to maybe mitigate some of those downhill running games? You know, you're going to play Weber again if you get this win against Southeast Louisiana. And if not, you're going to play Kennesaw State. So what does it look like? What does that Grizz defense with three safeties and a light box look against a full triple option? I would love to see that kind of matchup. I'd love to see what Kent Barron company can draw up. Um, I think that clearly they have the personnel to be able to adjust. Um, I was surprised they did not do so against Montana, Montana State. I totally agree. And it was it was fascinating, the schematic battle in this game. I mean, Bobby Houck mentioned it in the post game, and I heard scuttle around Missoula for, for quite honestly months about Troy Anderson's going to play quarterback the entire Cat Grizz game. Troy Anderson does not play in the Cat Grizz game, and it's just the it's the sweetest or sickest irony, depending on which side of the rivalry you're on, that the best player in the game didn't play because the sweet irony for the Cats is there was a silver lining to it. I thought twofold. One, Montana definitely did prepare for Troy Anderson, and they stuffed all the Wildcat stuff that Montana State ran, except for when they were running Isaiah Infonse at the Wildcat spot. When Travis Johnson was in there, they stuffed it. But that was only four of their 60 rushes. <laughs> the rest of them, they're getting seven and a half, eight yards of carry. Logan Jones and Isaiah Infonse both over 100 yards in the game, and they were just gashing them. Uh, and I also thought that you've talked a lot about just the concept of Troy Anderson and – 
he can do everything. You want him to do everything. But sometimes do, having him do everything is not actually beneficial to the fullest of his capabilities, both on an individual perspective and from a team perspective. I thought not having him made Montana State a little bit less distracted, maybe is the wrong word. But, I mean, they, they had more consistency in just running the ball down Montana's throat without trying to figure out how to get Troy Anderson the ball. And on defense, they were just kind of rock solid. I mean, they played that that cover two that I think kind of surprised Montana as well. I couldn't believe that Montana had no adjustment for that either. I mean, talk about that part. Montana didn't take a shot the whole game. Why not? I mean, when you're playing cover two, especially with zone-style corners who maybe don't run the greatest in the league like the Cat Scout, why not take a shot over the top? I thought that was crazy too. Yeah, I mean, tons of pressure. The, the, the Cat, the Montana's front couldn't deal with anything of that Montana was, State was doing up front. I mean, you could have four linemen, and they couldn't handle that, let alone every time Montana State blitzed. And I think that also you could, you could see you know, there was some cover two stuff that by the time, uh, by the time Montana had adjusted, then, then they started to run some, some robber buzz cover three, and that's where you see a Brady Conkle pick where instead yeah. of that cover two, Dalton Sneed is imagining both safeties are over the top. He looks left. Checks back right. Ooh, Jacque Allen in cover two. Look at him. Goes to throw that ball. But in re- in reality, it was a, it was just a cover three principle where Brady Conkle had dove down and was now in the robber position at more about like a twelve yard uh, a twelve yard sit and cover. And he got that. He he covered the he covered a slot seam route about as good as he can. Picked it right off. Montana didn't adjust to that look. Didn't run a play that would alter the cover three or the cover two until the fourth quarter when Conkle gets that pick. And if you listen to this podcast, you'll always hear me talk about what beats every single coverage. What is the idea? What is the concept that you can always override and figure out how can we beat this coverage and or at least see what the coverage is? It's three verticals. Get trips on one side. Montana didn't get into a three uh, a trips look until late in the fourth quarter. They weren't running any kind of vertical patterns until Montana State had, had been adjusted. So by, by the time Montana, Montana gets into trips, Montana State's like, well, now you haven't, you haven't been in trips enough to see what our adjustments are. Now you're even more screwed. So it was a real, it was a slow game plan. I thought that Montana thought that they could let these things develop. They didn't let, they didn't make any kind of rash decision until they were down 21 to nothing, or 21 three, however that looked. Uh, that was a little bit, uh, a little bit too late for Montana. All the just little details of the out coaching of the Bobcats was, it was just quite honestly so surprising. Uh, honestly, I mean, I think that Montana State's done a great job, especially of readjusting their mindset addressing their tendencies and addressing their weaknesses after that just dog shit game that they played at North Dakota. But I thought Montana has done a great job of continuing to play with relentless effort, having the adjustments be minimal because the effort's been maximum, and sticking with the plan and just avalanching people. We saw them do it to Idaho and Eastern Washington and Weber State. And they just didn't have it this this time around. They it did not work against the Cats, and I think that there's a lot of tangible and intangible factors, physical and psychological. But it was definitely um, one of the most stunning and <laughs> honestly most most uh, entertaining is the wrong word. I, I thought we don't have a dog in this fight. We don't care who wins this game. The fact that it was such a stunning result, though, to me, made it one of the most memorable. And one of the most fun Cackers Saturdays I've ever had. Yeah, it was. I mean, I've been telling people across the state I'm pretty tired of not cover of covering blowouts. 
right. I've been covering blowouts for years. I mean, I just I can't believe that teams just fold so much under the moment. You know, I've never been really to Missoula uh, for Montana Weber State, a number three versus number five. Whoop de doo, the Grizz beat them by five and a half scores uh, over and over and over. I've just have not covered a close game in so long. I don't know if that's uh, kids these days, you know, get off my lawn, that kind of thing. I don't really know what it is, but. Uh, to say it was entertaining certainly was so, uh, but I sure like competitive football, and uh, I was just, I was really hoping that game would have been would have played out as such. But you know, you get what you get. No doubt, and yeah, I think that's an interesting factor to address, though, because when you look at the four Big Sky Conference teams that earned seeds, Weber State, the number three, Sacramento State, number four, Montana State, number five, Montana, number six. Those teams all played each other, with the exception of Montana State and Weber State. And all of those games that were played amongst that group, not a close game. The closest game was 34-21 Sac State at Montana State, and that was with Sac State basically calling off the dogs and Montana State scoring uh, a late touchdown. It was more like 34-14 before Montana State got that late score, and, and it was not really that much of a game. Montana State got taken apart in that game. Montana goes to Sac State the next week, gets taken apart. Weber State destroys Sac State. Then Weber State comes up to Missoula, riding high, no chance. And then the Grizz go to Montana State, riding high, no chance. And so, you know, you do, you wonder. You wonder if it's not even just kids these days, but just football these days. Just like when you're out-schemed and you're out-manned, it just seems as if it's easier to give up. I mean, look at the NFL. The Houston Texans lose 41-7 to to the, the uh, Baltimore Ravens a couple weeks ago. Then they come out and beat the Patriots on Sunday Night Football. There's no rhyme or reason to it except for that I think sometimes when you just know that the plan is wrong and you just aren't playing your best and the other team is, I think it just makes it easier to fold. Yeah, I think so too, which is sad. I I think that coaching, everyone tries to build schemes week to week. I mean, you mentioned the Ravens. That's why the Ravens have had so much success because it's the same scheme. The Niners right. are the same thing. Now, San Francisco is is running the same offense every single week, uh, and I think that that plays so much into the ability to have consistency with with even if you're a professional player. It's so hard to grab a new scheme in one week. Right. Uh, so I'm so interested by by that dynamic. I agree with you. I think that's probably the case. Montana State has had some more consistency in their ability to. You know, run a very similar scheme week to week, offensively especially. I think that probably plays into it some of it. But these coaches gamble; they throw all of their chips in one basket with the scheme. And when it goes wrong and you're down 14-0, you just throw it all away. Right. You just say this game's over. I wish there was a little bit more clock management, a little bit more pace to play. I mean, like a little bit more figuring out your opponent. And the in the Cat Grizz game, I mean, it's such a great example. We'll. we'll I don't really want to talk about the delay of game penalty, the first play of the game for Montana, because I can't imagine a more infuriating, stupid thing, no matter who you're rooting for, in a game, to come out in a rivalry game and get a delay of game penalty. You know what you run the first play of the game? You run freaking zone up the middle. You want to run power? Go for it. I don't really know. I've never played a football game, whether it's Madden, whether it's in real life, whether it's in high school, whether it's in Pop Warner, where we did not run the football the first play of the game. I just don't see it how that could ever be a a concept, but you see it across the board in college, especially. I don't see why you're trying to, you know, trick football. The football gods will punish you dearly if you try to trick football. And I think Montana has, you know, clearly did that against Montana state. 
They threw a Bob Stitt bubble screen, no joke, 15 times in the first half. Like, when have they run a bubble screen this entire calendar year? I, I just don't think it's happened. So why do it then? I'm not totally sure. It seems like coaching gets in the way of players, but, you know, I'm not in those offensive meetings. Like Bobby Huck says, if they'll invite me in, I'll gladly come. Yeah. No, it's true. And I think that this is what makes the Cats dangerous because the Cats have been so diverse on offense, but it's not new diversity. The, the last six weeks, they've shown all that jet sweep and fly sweep stuff that they do, as Coach Choate says, to loosen the edges. And they, they've always run power and inside zone and counter. And then when you combine it with the Wildcat, with the zone read option stuff, that, that's they have it all in their arsenal. So now – they do the feeling out process where they say, well, here's what we're we're going to show you a couple of these different things. How are you going to play it? Okay, you're going to play it like this. Okay, we're going to show you the 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 antidote to that, the counterpunch to that. And they do it so well. It's so interesting because Montana did that so well early, and I don't really know what happened. Montana did would fill teams out for the first half, and then in the second half, I can't tell you how many halfback swings and outside little – you know, short passes they would run in the first couple series of the second half, and then as soon as they'd get safeties creeping, boom, hit you over the top, boom, hit you with the skinny post in the middle of the field. And they they didn't do that in the Cackers game, which is it's fascinating, but uh, it's definitely a Cackers game we're going to talk about for a long time. And when you all sum it up, I think it was something that was, all things considered, good for the rivalry because – I think it kept Montana humble and hungry for another year. It capped the vision that Coach Choate has been preaching. It allowed a group of seven, uh, fifth-year seniors from Montana State to ride off in the sunset and hang their hat on a legacy of beating the Grizz four years in a row and the first Bobcat team to do that in 40-plus years. So I think it's definitely going to be a pivotal moment in the scope of the rivalry. I mean, it helped Montana State – even the docket, eighteen eight, uh, nine apiece in the last 18 games since the streak ended. It helped Montana State win the decade for the first time since the 70s. It, I think it, it officially and, and, and definitively affirmed and stamped the return of balance to the rivalry because so long, even for Montana fans have had the streak to ride along, and then you know, some of the really big Montana wins that were also really disappointing Montana State losses, the the 2011 win in Bozeman, the 2013 win in Bozeman by the Grizz. Both those were sky high for the Grizz and heartbreakers for the Cats. But I think that the Cat victory, it, it just it put a stamp on the end of a chapter, and that end of the chapter basically opens a new chapter that says it's now even. These programs are on par with each other in, in the scope of the rivalry, if not Montana State being a couple steps ahead. I think that that's good just for the, the overall scope of the rivalry. Yeah, I, I do too. I, I don't know. You know, I, I've never defined balance by getting beat 30, 30, 48 to 14, but I understand that the, the sentiment, I, I agree with it. Uh, you know, it's, it rivalries like this, it's important to have balance. I'll be interested to see how this plays in recruiting. You know, we, we, we catch up with each and every recruit from both sides, especially for the state of Montana. And we always ask ask them about this game, ask them about kind of the influences between the, the recruiting cycle and, you know, did both teams talk to you? Why did you pick one over the other? Well, I'll be interested to see what, what, what we hear this year um, with some of the in-state guys because uh, I know Bobby's really turned a lot of Montana guys back towards the Grizz. 
Um, that'll be interesting to see. But, yeah, you know, balance is important. I think that a rivalry is not a rivalry unless both teams can win it. So uh, the trophy stays in Bozeman for another year going on a half decade now. Fascinating dynamic now, too, with this game is a huge game, but not making too much of this game because now you have a Bobcat team that just had their most resounding win of the Jeff Choate era. They just destroyed the number three team in the country. How do they not rest on their laurels? How do they not become too big for their britches going into the playoffs? And on the other side, you have a Montana team that's a lot better than people expected them to be. They're a seed in the playoffs, a nine-win team. So how do you not let a beatdown in your last outing get in your head and realize you still are one of the six best teams in the country? That's going to be the most interesting dynamic going forward. So first of all, Brooks should be in Bozeman covering the Cats uh, on Saturday against Albany of the Colonial Athletic Association. What do you think of just the mental aspect of it? Is Montez taking to be able to, to readjust and relock in? You asked Chote a good question about it, and he said, hey, it's backs against the wall still because if we lose a route. So do you feel like they'll be able to embrace that mentality? Yeah, I, I think that they'll I think they'll start out slow. I mean, I don't that's just kind of been their MO. Um, you know, didn't happen against the Grizz, but the last, you know, handful of years, they've been a pretty slow first half team and I, I wouldn't be surprised if that happened again um, which I respect as far as the idea of feeling out your opponent you know see what they got go and make adjustments and come out with a brand new thing and um, they've been a really good second half team consistently for several years but especially the last two years uh, Albany's a talented team I think that you know Jeff Choate talked very highly about them I am not that familiar though you know after getting a you know a 25 minute lecture on their on their Personnel, I, I feel like I know a whole lot about them uh, from the perspective of Jeff Choate, uh, but I know their coaching staff is you know well well known and well respected, and, and they have some young guys. The, the freshman quarterback is unique. Um, I think that's probably you know the biggest advantage the Cats have is a redshirt freshman quarterback. Though he's played so well, uh, the environment will be different. The altitude does play, no matter what anyone says. And I think that overall, Montana State's defense—you know—you don't give up a passing touchdown to Jake Mayer or Dalton Sneed. I don't know if a redshirt freshman is going to come all the way from Albany, New York, and have much success. The Cats are playing at a very high level on defense. And on the other side, the Grizz, how do they bounce back from from that devastating loss, especially when you consider how many injuries they've had to key players like Dalton Sneed, like Sammy Kim? Well, I think you got to get back to running the football. And, and, you know, it all starts up front, which is such a cliche, but for a team that has reestablished their offensive line, has one of the better running backs in the league, and one of the better one-two punches in the league, and Marcus Knight and Nick Ostomo, I think that there's you know an ability to really establish the run, especially at home. Um, you're going to get a team that's kind of playing with house money at this point. Uh, a lot of FBS dropdowns uh, for for Southeast Louisiana. Um, you know they start their linebackers are are, are both from a LSU dropdown and an Alabama dropdown. They have guys. They have an Arkansas guy on the offensive line. They have uh, or an Alabama guy on the offensive line. An Arkansas quarterback, a Louisville quarterback, uh, starting. It's very interesting. And to see kind of how that dynamic will play out, I think Montana is a much more, uh, you know, a much more talented team, especially at home. I uh, expect them to take care of business, uh, but it will be a big test of of how they start. Especially, you want to make an, an emphatic win here. You don't want to limp through this game. You want to make sure and, and brush the cobwebs off. I could see Dalton Smith being pretty hyped for this game. You know, no matter what, if he gets the, the needle in the ankle or not, I think his ankle hurt a little bit less than it has in quite a while. Big Sky Breakdown presented in part by Selway Armory and Town Pump. Stay tuned. If these teams keep playing, we'll keep podcasting. In the meantime, Brooks Nuana, ScottonSportsMT.com. Thanks so much for joining us today, man. Yeah, absolutely, man. 
Big Sky Breakdown brought to you in part by Selway Armory. Selway Armory, Montana's Fires Arms Superstore. There's a Selway Armory in both Missoula and Bozeman. Go check them out. Whether you're in the market for a new rifle or handgun, shotgun, you need some ammunition. You got questions on anything you already own? Selway Armory with locations in both Missoula and Bozeman. Take the Selway Armory Challenge. Selway Armory promises to provide great product at a great price along with world-class customer service. Shop with Selway Armory for a year. Guarantee you're going to save money over the big box stores. Go check out the new Selway Armory in Bozeman. Out Jackrabbit Lane Corner of Jackrabbit and Baxter. Awesome store. Great venue and awesome inventory and those guys they're experts in their field so go check them out at selway armory you spoke selway armory listened selway armory has moved and now has a brand new greatly expanded superstore to serve bozeman and the gallatin valley located at the corner of baxter and jackrabbit in front of big sky archery and zero in selway armory has the biggest selection of firearms and accessories anywhere with real experts to answer all your questions and better prices than the box stores you owe it to yourself to visit your locally owned and independent Selway Armory in their brand new store. Selway Armory is Montana's firearms superstore. Coulter, the weather has turned. It is gnarly out there. It's gnarly on the roads, but in Montana, that doesn't keep us home. We go everywhere we got to go. You and I always travel for football. I'm going to be headed to some other places for Christmas, all this kind of stuff. You know what gives me comfort? I know that I'm always about 11 feet from a town pump superstore. I mean, no matter where I am in the state of Montana, you got gasoline, you got all the refreshments you need, the kids got to have, you know, a, a, a packet of gum, some chips, some water to keep them going, keep them satiated and satisfied in the back seat. And you know what other S word? Silent. Shut them up, those kids. You go to town pump and you got yourself some peace and calm in the van ride. I, sh- I should pay them $1 million for what they've done for me. I always hit up that town pump right when you get over Homestake Pass. I'm writing rocker there because of, yeah. uh, I always run out of the spray fluid for the windshield. And the mm. semis are spraying on you. When it gets cold and icy and snowy like this, you got to have the right fluids in your car. And Town Pump's got that covered as well. And sometimes you need a beer for after the drive. So get yourself a six-pack, drink it when you get home, behave yourself. But it is. It's a great place no matter what you need. Fuel, food, caffeine, water, anything. And who knows, maybe you throw a dollar in the machine, you walk away a winner, too. I mean, you got all these different ways to recreate, stretch your legs on the highways. No matter where you're at in Montana, there's a town pump near you. Town pump, Montana's best since 1953. We go now to the Rankish Brothers RV cell, uh, phone line, and we welcome in the head coach of Southeastern Louisiana, Frank Selfo. Coach Selfo, thanks so much for taking the time out and being with us today. How are you? I'm doing great, man. How you guys doing? Well, we're doing outstanding. We are uh, really looking forward to uh, some playoff football this weekend, and your team coming up here. We'll talk obviously about the game, but we got to talk about that Villanova game. I mean, what a game that was—a one-point victory, and Villanova misses kind of the extra point there, and then you guys are able to hold on. Talk about that game, and I think the first ever playoff win in southeastern Louisiana history. How big a deal is that for you and your program? I mean, it was good. We won a couple of games back in 13 and 14 when we won the conference here. But, uh, yeah, that, it's been been about five years since we've gotten a win, and to have it at home was even more special. That's a really good football team that we played the other day. I mean, a really competitive game, and, uh, you know, just it went back and forth the entire game. Coach Coulter Nuwan is here. Thanks so much for joining us. And uh, one thing I find so fun about this time of year from our seat is just the fact that we get to learn about these schools and these football programs from 
thousands of miles away from Montana and southeastern Louisiana. I remember watching you guys in the 2013-2014 playoffs, but this will be the first time I ever get to see your program live. You know, Albany is coming 2,500 miles across the country to play Montana State. But from your perspective, how do you go about learning about a team that you've never played before? First ever mo- matchup between southeastern Louisiana and Montana. Yeah, you know, you you got to study the opponent uh, each year, and every opponent's different. So you, we spend a lot of time studying the opponents that uh, we're going to play, but we also have to kind of get a reference point. So we really spend a lot of time studying the uh, guys that you play throughout the course of the season and see if there's any like opponents uh, or, or from a talent standpoint to try to figure out uh, exactly what the talent level is. And I think what was the hardest thing about uh, getting prepared for this game is uh, understanding who we're playing, our opponent. There's such a great history in Montana. Like you said, uh, me at this level, it's the first time I've been at the FCS level. So learning the opponent, learning the team, and uh, learning when I started researching Montana's history, man, what what a you know great story past of success and long-term success. And that's what we're trying to do here at Southeastern. We want to we wanna have the reputation that Montana Grizzly football has, and uh, that's knowing you're going to be getting prepared to play this time of year, every year. And when you don't, you're really disappointed. No common opponents between these two teams, but there was a little bit of crossover when you talk about the conferences. I know Eastern Washington played Jacksonville State, and Montana played Eastern Washington. You guys played Jacksonville State. But who does Montana remind you of? Did you have any comparisons when you were breaking down the film in terms of teams you might have seen in the Southland or otherwise this year on your schedule? Uh, not really. I think, you know, schematically there's some, you know, obviously there, there's uh, some RPO guys that we played. Uh, there's some high front guys that we played. You know, so from that standpoint, you see that. You just you just know when you got a, a quarterback like Montana's got that's got so much experience, uh, he reminds you guys that you play who these great leaders, uh, Central Arkansas's quarterback, very similar to Dalton Sneed uh, as far as athleticism, being able to throw the football, command the offense. Uh, he, he does. I just think Dalton Steve does a great job of doing that. And then, you know, the wide receivers, there's some guys that we played against that look similar to 8 and 16. You know, the big, long guys, uh, quick, uh, explosive guys with the ball in their hands. And, you know, so you play against guys who like talent. Uh, but overall, as a team, I think everybody's different. You know, on the defensive side of the ball, Houston Baptist has one of the top tacklers in the country. And uh, when you look at the linebacker position there at Montana, those three guys there, man, are just 33, 34, and 17. They're everywhere. So you, there's there's guys that are similar, uh, you know, from a personality standpoint or the way they play. And uh, it, 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 so we it, that's how, kind of how we talk about it. He's kind of like this guy at McNeese or this guy at Nickel State. And, and we reference those guys that way. Frank Selfo joining us. He's the head coach of Southeastern Louisiana. They will be playing in Missoula Saturday, 1 o'clock kickoff at Washington Grizzly Stadium in the second round of the FCS playoffs. And, Coach, you've been about around a lot of quarterbacks over uh, the course of time, but Chase and Virgil, your guy's a pretty good one. Uh, All-conference quarterback uh, for you and Washington play uh, this past weekend. Outstanding. Talk to us about about him, how he got from Fresno State uh, down, down to you at Southeastern, and also just the type of player that he is and has become. Yeah, he got here about the same time I did a year, you know, a little over a year and a half ago. And, and what I think he played as a junior last year and really played well, but it was kind of up and down. Uh, we, we were going through a culture change around here and uh, he was kind of caught inside of it and wasn't sure how to handle it. But I think when the season was over with last year, we finished four and seven 
and he actually he took control of our football team, took control of the locker room. And uh, he, he started making his move in the spring and really did such a great job commanding his team, you know, to uh, step up and, and hold people accountable and be a leader for us. And he's just such a fantastic leader. I think he's really had a good year. He's had a couple of bad moments, but he's never had, uh, you know, just a, a prolonged period where he wasn't playing well. He has played well all year long. Villanova game, I think the second half was probably as good as he's ever played. And uh, I was just so happy for him because of how hard he works and what type of person he is. Watching your guys' offense, you guys do some fun things, especially with the way that you rotate quarterbacks. I know Cole Kelly was a really highly recruited guy coming out of high school as well. Started some games at Arkansas. And it seems like he gives you kind of a, a change-up, a big guy who can also run it. So what do you like about the two-quarterback system, and, and how do you think that makes your offense hard to prepare for? Well, you know, they complement each other. Uh, and I think, you know, these, these two guys live together. Uh, they room together. They, they're in the meetings together. They support each other. They're pulling for each other when the other one's on the field. They're both good leaders. they got good qualities about them. But, uh, you know, Cole's got some unique qualities with him because of his size. That we're able to run the football with him a little bit more. Uh, he's also an accurate thrower. And uh, so we, we get different looks. But it forces defenses to prepare for us. Uh, you know, two different ways, and and they're going to have to do that. And if they don't, we've got a chance to take advantage of it. But I think the the uh, relationship between the two guys is what makes that whole situation special, and it makes it work. Devontae Williams, a guy that I know that the Grizz coaches have been really impressed with. They said he's he would be one of the most explosive players in the Big Sky Conference as well, and Big Sky has a ton of explosive players, just like the Southland. But how fast is this kid? I mean, what, what sort of element does he bring, not only to your offense, but also to your punt return game? You know, I, I think we went through – we were 3-1 and one at one time, and the only loss was Ole Miss. And uh, we lost Devontae for a couple of weeks, and we lost those next two games. And that wasn't because of it. wasn't because of that, but it did. You know, that's, that's a big factor. And we lost him, and then we had the open date, and uh, he was able to get healthy again, and then he came back. And you can see what we've done offensively and overall as a team. So I, he brings a spark for us. He's probably, you know, our guy that when you say who's – who's uh you know, the most important player for us offensively, it's probably him because of the spark that he brings and the explosiveness that he has. And so we try to get the ball in his hands. We hand it to him. We throw it to him. We let him return punts. let him return kicks. He does everything for us. He's got one shot at this. This is his senior year, and he wants to make the best of it, and we want to make sure to make to handle that for him. An Indiana transfer, a guy that was an all-Big Ten freshman team selection. And you look at your guys' roster, I mean, you got transfers from LSU, Alabama, Arkansas, Wisconsin. I mean, all over the Power Five. I think 20 total transfers and 12 total Power Five drop-downs. So is that part of the recruiting strategy at Southeastern Louisiana? And, and how have you made that work? Because sometimes the transfer game can be a little bit tenuous. You can't get the guys to mesh. But it seems like you guys have made those guys acclimate to your program pretty darn solidly. I think we do a great job of really going into the background of why kids leave, and I think that's an important thing. You know, sometimes it's guys just get homesick or, or, or guys are just looking for something different, and we run a structured program. There's not a lot of, uh, there's not a lot of leeway and, and, and freedom in our program. We, we set rules, and that's what we do, and we have guys coming and going at times. And uh, some people, they really don't like it, and, but that's okay and they can move on. But I, I think we were clear up front with these guys as to what uh, our expectations are. We understand what their expectations are. We discuss it. And then if we think it's a good fit, we move forward. If not, uh, we don't. But we want to 
you know, Montana builds their program with high school guys, and that's what I want to get to. I want to build it where we're we're recruiting. We signed 23 last year in my first season here, and uh, we want to build it with high school kids and grow them up and develop those guys through a three-, four-, five-year period and then supplement them with the transfers. So I think that's we know that's long-term for consistent long-term success. Teams like Montana and North Dakota State and James Madison, Jacksonville State, and Nickel State in our conference, that, that's what everybody's doing. And that's because it's a good, it's a recipe for success, for long-term success. And uh, that's what we want to be able to do. Frank Selfwood joining us. He's the head coach of Southeastern Louisiana playing at Montana Saturday. And Coach, I want to ask you about yourself because you've been in football uh, your whole career, a long, long time, but you haven't been a head coach since uh, I think back in the 80s. And so what was it that drew you back to, to this job? I know Louisiana is your home state. And what's it been like to be the guy, the head coach uh, here once again at this point in your career? Uh, you know, it, it's the, the uh, again the opportunity to come home. I've been coast to coast at every level, from the FBS to the NFL, and uh, all parts in between, I guess. And it was just an opportunity to come home. And uh, I'm from South Louisiana, born and raised here, played here, and just the chance to come back home at this stage in my career. And I've always had an. Uh, uh, we we started doing the Manning Passing Academy when I was at Tulane back in the mid '90s, and. We came up here to Southeastern, and that was my first exposure to it, and we loved it. We, uh, I, I just love the town, the community. It's such a close-knit group here, and when this thing opened up and uh, we you know, we started talking to them and I had the opportunity to come here, I jumped at it, and uh, it, it's just been it, – it's a great uh, – for me, for my family, this is a great relationship that we have here with uh, Hammond in Southeast Louisiana. Well, Coach, we certainly appreciate you joining us. Just one more for you. You know, we got to ask you, your team coming from Louisiana, my understanding is it's closer to the sun in Louisiana than it is in Montana. So what's it going to be like for you guys? Not even so much the weather, but just traveling to a place that I'm sure most of the guys on your team have never never been to before, maybe even never really even thought about a place like Montana. Is that going to be part of, of the experience? Did you address that at all? Yeah, we do address it. You know, when I was at Louisiana Tech, we played in the WAC. So we traveled up to Idaho. Uh, you know, we traveled to Nevada. We played at San Jose State. Uh, we played at Fresno State. So we, we had a lot of trips up to the Northwest, similar distances, things like that. And then, uh, you know, when I was in the NFL, Jacksonville, we played up in Seattle and Oakland. So, you know, those those trips are long cross-country trips. And, you, and you, you know, so you have preparation for that. And then, uh, you know, the weather, you, you look at it, and you, we address it, we talked about it, we make sure that we'll, uh, we're prepared from that standpoint with heaters and gloves and uh, uh, tights and all, all those things, but then we drop, we're moving on. The game, the game is not going to be decided by the weather. It, the game is going to be decided about how we can affect Dalton Sneed in the pocket and if we can cover uh, Samori Torre and uh, Jerry Louis McGee and can we block those linebackers. That's what's going to – determine this game not the weather and uh so we're done with it we're moved past it we'll uh we'll, we'll play we'll play well we'll play hard for 60 minutes and then we'll see what happens at the end of the game well coach thanks so much we really appreciate it of course looking forward to the game and best to you and your your team traveling up here travel safe and well and we'll see you on saturday all right thank you so much i really appreciate you guys i've, I've talked to a lot of people up there and everybody's just really nice and i appreciate it man thank y'all so much I'm good. Have you uh, dug out of the snow in Albany? Uh, yeah, it was uh, an interesting 
you know, it's fun to throw all these challenges up when you're getting ready for a uh, second round playoff game with, uh, you know, over a foot of snow on the field and digging out and getting the staff in. And but we're we're on track and and um, we're 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 tough in Albany. We're used to the, the cold weather and the snow. First off, uh, congratulations on your team's uh, 42-14 win over Central Connecticut State. First playoff win in school history. How significant was that accomplishment? You know, I think it's a um, when you, when you're trying to build a program in, in, in a conference like the CAA, I think it's a huge um, a, a huge accomplishment for our players and, and, and a great thing for our university. And, and um, you know, it's 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 tough. You know, you get in, you, you fight your butt to get off in our conference, and then you get in a playoff game, and it's it's almost you know it, it took us a little bit to get going. And um, I think. A lot of the credit, you know, you got to credit Central Connecticut. They came in fired up. They had all their reasons why they were had chips on their shoulders, and we were able to weather the storm. But for us, it's a it's a great step for um, what we're trying to do. And I, you know, I just heard Kirk talking about, uh, you know, the the importance of experience. And I think that game gives us experience and will help us in this week's football game for sure. Got several questions in queue. If you'll get those for us, Hillary. Your first question comes from Mark Singelius with the Albany Times Union. Hey, uh, Greg, uh, you mentioned the weather. Uh, with more than a foot of snow on the ground and more on the way, has it affected your uh, preparation at all? And have you had to alter your practice plans at all? Or... You know, really, we're we're really literally fighting through. We had to make some adjustments, obviously. Um, the coaching staff, I had to get them out of here last night earlier than we came in early and got our work done, but I sent them home with their laptops to, to keep working and, and, um, you know, crack the whip on those guys a little bit, but we, you know, we we're adjusting. Uh, it's, it's something we'll, we'll deal with it. Um, you know, I, I'm not worried about it. I've had to do these things before in my life and, um, we just don't allow things to be a distraction. We never have. And we're going to, we got a couple plans in place to make sure we have a good week of practice and, you know, and our, you know, Sean from our ground crews out there busting his tail trying to get our field clear for us right now. But we, we have some backup plans, and, um, you know, we'll, we're going to practice and execute and, and have a good week regardless. We're not going to let the weather affect us. What would your backup plan be? Well, there's some indoor facilities and things like that, too, in the area that we can we can get some work in. But hopefully um, and I, tomorrow is the worst. Getting ready for tomorrow will be the hardest, but I, I, I have I – have, hope we can be out on our own field by Wednesday, but we'll see. I mean, that's just, we're working on it now. I mean, did you have practice scheduled today or what did you have scheduled today? No, our kids are, are off on Monday. It's our, it's our normally scheduled off day. So they're, they're home resting and, and uh, getting ready for uh, tomorrow. And tomorrow you think you could uh, be outside? Don't know yet. And that's why I, I, I just can't, I just don't know. Um, if if we're not outside, we'll, we'll be in. We'll be indoors practicing somewhere. Um, you said after Saturday's game, obviously you didn't know much about Montana State because you hadn't seen them yet. What what have you? What what stands out about them so far from what you've seen on film, uh, Greg? You know, I think I think the first thing you know, you know, they've earned a number five seed and and um, had a huge win their last game, a big win over their rival, um, hometown rival, and so you know, I expected. I wasn't surprised by what I saw. I mean, they're big and physical and uh, athletic. Um, they, they're, they're a great running team. Um, you know, it's something that 
you know, we've given up some rushing yards and, and, and how we play defense, but um, they're, they're big and physical on offense and, and uh, they take the shots and beat you deep. They got a good core of receivers, a big quarterback and defensively they've, you know, they're a really, really good football team. They're, they've got size. They've got a, a number of transfers that are impact players for their defense. And, um, you know, I haven't really got through into the kicking game stuff right now, but um, I know they're a heck of a program. And, and um, uh, to earn five seeds, it just tells you all you need to know about. Thank you very much. Sure. Your next question comes from Paul Schwedelson with the Bozeman Daily. Uh, hey, Greg. Uh, I was just wondering how would you evaluate uh, Montana State quarterback Tucker Rovig, uh, number 12? Hey, Paul. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't really get into evaluating him just from the sense of, um, you know, we're kind of looking at him as a group. I, I, he's a big guy. He kind of looks like like our guy, you know. Um, big, tall guy can throw the ball. And um, it, it would be hard for me to tell you anything other than I think he's a talented guy. He's got some, you know, they use two guys. I, I'm not – I'm not all the way through it, to be honest enough, to give you a really detailed evaluation of what I think. And, and um, quite honestly, probably wouldn't give you a detailed what I think anyhow. So, um, But I do think he's a good football player, and I think that he runs their offense really well. How, how difficult is it, um, you know, like you mentioned, you know, mixing in different players that they, that they have taken snaps? How difficult is it preparing for that? Um, you know, it's, it's something that you kind of get used to, you know, with the, the advent of, uh, wildcat type quarterbacks. And, you know, we, we certainly in our league have been challenged by some great quarterbacks that, you know, they're all different styles. So, I mean, we, you know, it's not, it is challenging and it's something that, that we have to, it gives you extra preparation time. But the truth of the matter is it's not something, you know, one week we play against Tom Flacco or the next week we play against, you know, a big pocket quarterback and, you know, that in our league, you know, the Pagano kid at Maine is a great quarterback and, and uh, Vito Prior. And we've got good quarterbacks in our league that we deal with every week. And it ranges from the pocket thrower to the athlete. And um, we just played against a really good athletic quarterback that uh, presented some problems for us. So, you know, we, we understand the scope of what we have to deal with uh, going into this game against Montana State. Thank you. Sure. Your next question comes from Kyle Kinsing with Flow Sports. Uh, Coach, how critical was the defensive play on Saturday in terms of you know helping the offense maybe get settled down, uh, you know, to uh, to jumpstart you know uh, early in that game? You know, I, I think it's a good question because I think when you know when our offense kind of explodes like that sometimes, and and um, everybody wants to talk about our quarterback and our, you know, our receivers and our, you know, the, the skill guys on offense, but our defense held the fort. I mean, if we didn't uh, dig our heels in, in going into the red zone, and like we have all year, we're pretty good red zone defense, but, you know, we really, they had us back on our heels in the first quarter and, and our defense stood up. I mean, we held them to a field goal, which they missed. They got a touchdown off of a scramble and a mistake in the back end. And then, you know, we stopped them on a fourth down and after a turnover. They're huge situations in a game that uh, that thing could have been worse than 7 nothing at the end of a quarter. And, and I think the defense deserves a lot of credit for uh, digging their heels in, basically, and just trying to hold the fort until the offense got going. 
And, you know, here's that final month of the regular season. Uh, something that, that Carl had said was that pretty much every game was a playoff after the bye. And the way that the defense has kind of responded in that time, you know, holding the two opponents below uh, 20 points, or actually three now, uh, how have you seen that group kind of emerge as a whole during this final stretch run of the season? Yeah, they've been, you know, they've really um, played well, and especially in spots. I mean, you know, we're playing against some pretty good teams. I, you know, our conference, I think sometimes people, because they people so much look at records and don't understand, you know, I, I somebody had made a comment to me during the last week and, and about, you know, I saw something about Rhode Island, you know, that we struggled with Rhode Island, and I kind of laughed. Rhode Island is a really good football team that, that I would not want to play again um, with the skill people they have. and um, So our conference is really deep, and it prepares you for playoffs, and we've been in the playoffs for week after week. But I do think there was some – I think our kids were, you know, um, I don't know what the word would be. I, don't, I think we were ready to play, certainly, but I think we were a little tentative early in the game but on both sides of the ball. And once that wore off, we started playing like ourselves. Thank you. Sure. Your next question comes from Colton Toole with the Bozeman Daily. Hey, um, yeah, so obviously in the first round, things were working for you in the passing game there. Just looking at their defense, how do you kind of expect to keep that going uh, against Montana State this week? How do you kind of keep that going? You know, I, we really focus on ourselves internally, and and um, and we we spend our week trying to figure out how to break down what they do, and we always have to be prepared. We, you know, we I think Juwan Green in many ways has caused some people to play a little different sometimes against them, but if if they're comfortable just playing their, their base defense against us and, and what they normally do, I think they will be. I, I think in the big sky they see great receivers every week. The offense out there is, is uh, you know, you look at all the numbers. I mean, the, the amount of yards that people are gaining, um, they, they certainly know how to play offensive football. So I don't think they're going to change much. And um, it just becomes matchups and execution. And, and uh, you know, I, like I said, you know, we're, we're just a, a day or so against opponent we have never seen before. Um, we don't have any common opponents, so you know we've got a lot of work ahead of us to figure out some of these things that you're asking. They're good questions, but we I don't have total answers on how to attack their defense yet. All right, that's all I got. Thank you. Sure. Your next question comes from Coulter Nuanez with the ESPN Montana. Hey, Coach. One thing that's fascinating about covering the playoffs for us out here is so often when teams come to Montana, they're not used to the weather this time of year. But it sounds like you guys have some snow. So what do you think of just that dynamic? How accustomed is your team to playing in the cold and snow to wintry weather? We're looking at it like it's a vacation. So we're not worried about that <laughs> we, we probably what we're Believe me when I tell you, um, we're not afraid of weather. There's no one on this team or staff that's concerned about anything to do with weather and we'll take whatever Montana has to throw at us we're just you know we know it's a loud stadium we know the weather is going to be the weather and um, we're really just a uh, uh, we got a tough group of guys it's not going to affect us in the least not even a factor just the logistics of the trip what's it going to take for you guys to get here man what's your plan when we guys leave where what's the path to get to Montana well, we're we're planning on leaving Thursday night and um, to get acclimated time-wise. You know, I think 
Um, we'll get them there, get them to bed. When they wake up, they should be on the two-hour delay. Shouldn't be a big deal for our guys. It's generally not, in my experience. Um, you know, we'll we'll be there Friday, practice, and um, we're looking actually looking for somewhere to go to in the afternoon to, to for the kids to, to kind of experience the area. And um, but you know, it's funny our our volleyball coach Josh Pick, Pick, Pritchard here. He um, Pickard. He he went to school at Montana State, so uh, he, mm. he's been raving about it. He told me how beautiful it is. We've heard nothing but great things about the, how gorgeous the area is, and and um, the people are nice. And although I know their fans will be tough on us, we're we're excited about getting there. Just the fact that it is probably almost every person in your program's first trip to a foreign place. How do you not let that become um, uh, distraction is the wrong word, but just not let the novelty get in the way of the task at hand. Uh, you know, I don't think so. These guys are used to traveling and playing. I, you know, I mean, it's, it's last I checked, it's, it's still in the United States. So I'm, I feel pretty good. <laughs> pretty close. You know, it's not, it's not on foreign soil. And, and, um, but, uh, yeah, no, I'm not, um, I've been doing this too long. You know, I've played everywhere and pretty much around the country. And, um, as a player, as a coach, uh, you know, we don't, we just don't talk about those things. You know what I mean? Like we we're real focused on ourselves and, and, and we're real focused on, on the opponent because you know, that, that they're the most important thing. The weather, the, Hey, they have to play in the weather. They have to play in everything that we have to play in. And um, certainly being a home game is obviously an advantage. And that means we have to play a great football game to have a chance, any chance to win the football game. Last question for me. I just want to ask you about your quarterback. What sort of impact has Jeff had on your program, and what has led to him having such an outstanding freshman season? Well, you know, I, that's a great question because you know it's either either I finally became a good coach after 20 years, or our quarterback's pretty darn good. And I I I can promise you, I haven't changed. So he's been a huge impact on our program. I mean, when you look at his numbers for a redshirt freshman, and um, he's been phenomenal. You know, and he's He's, he cannot play well. The thing I think is his best asset is he can he, he can struggle. He never stops playing hard. He never stops being positive. Saturday was a perfect example of who he is as a person. He he we were we were just getting our our butts kicked and a lot some of it self inflicted. You know bad choices, bad mistakes. Um, we had 18 yards in the first quarter. Um, he never blinked. He never blinked. And um, when we got the ball back which was huge before the half. After not playing real well, he drove it straight down, made a perfect throw for a touchdown, and then um, then he just picked it up from there. So he's, he's, he's been a big difference. But, you know, we do have a good supporting cast. I think any quarterback will tell you that you have to have good receivers and the O-line has to block. And I think our running backs are, are really talented, both as a runners, but they can block. And I think that all of that comes together makes Jeff better. And um, he's just been a, a, a great addition to our team. You spoke, Selway Armory listened. Selway Armory has moved and now has a brand new, greatly expanded superstore to serve Bozeman and the Gallatin Valley. Located at the corner of Baxter and Jackrabbit in front of Big Sky Archery and Zero Inn, Selway Armory has the biggest selection of firearms and accessories anywhere. With real experts to answer all your questions and better prices than the box stores, you owe it to yourself to visit your locally owned and independent Selway Armory in their brand new store. Selway Armory is Montana's firearms Superstore. 
We go now to the Rangage Brothers RV phone line. We welcome in the redshirt freshman quarterback of the Albany Great Danes. They are playing in Bozeman this Saturday against Montana State in the second round of the FCS playoffs. Jeff Undercuffler. Jeff, thank you so much for being with us, man. How you doing? Good. Good. I bet you are doing pretty well. I mean, you uh, have have led your team as a freshman, 39 touchdowns for crying out loud on an absolutely outstanding year. Look, I know you played a little bit last season, used that red shirt rule to get some game experience, but did you think when you took over this team this season that you'd be able to have this kind of production in your first year being a full-time starter? Um, you know, certainly just, just as a freshman, just coming in into any kind of university you come in, um, personally, you just kind of you kind of got to have that mindset that you're just going to be the guy, the leader. Um, so yeah, pretty much. Um, just coming in here, um, using those three or four four games last year as a redshirt really helped me grow mentally because um, at this level, everyone's definitely fit, uh, physically capable of enough of, of of playing football. So, um, but like I said, it just it was definitely a a, a huge blessing to retro last year and to come in here to help my team to a second-round playoff game. Takes back to last week. I watched your guys' entire game against Central Connecticut State, and it was kind of a slugfest. Central Connecticut actually even probably had the momentum early, and going to halftime tied 7-7, you guys come out the locker room and just smash them. You throw four touchdown passes in the third quarter, end up with six touchdown passes overall, which ties single-game record in FCS football playoff history. What changed at halftime? What were you guys able to do to surge down the stretch? Um, I mean, first of all, shout out to, to CCSU. Uh, they came out guns blazing on us, and uh, they had a good game plan on us. But um, you know, us just collectively as a team, you know, we we just kind of went into uh, halftime seven seven. It was tie ball game, and and um, Coach Stucho just 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 kind of gave us like a quick ten second spiel. Of, hey man, it's seven seven. Uh, this is a playoff game. Uh, this is pretty much how it's going to be, and um, basically, whatever team makes the less penalties, less mistakes, and is more sound is, is going to come out on top. And uh, we came up the yeah, second half, guns blazing, and and we just didn't look back from there. First playoff win ever in Albany history. When you hear that, I mean, that's got to mean something to you and your teammates. Yeah, it's awesome. It's it, first of all, it, it's just such a a blessing. And, and it's so humbling to even be in the position we are right now to uh, be in the playoffs. But, um, you know, just, just kind of hats off to our team, our coaches, uh, and, and our whole program. Um, uh, we've just been grinding all, all winter last year uh, leading up into this year, and uh, we definitely deserved it. Jeff Undercuffler joining us. He's the quarterback of the University of Albany Great Danes. They'll be playing in the second round in Bozeman this Saturday against Montana State. And uh, Jeff, as you look at at the Montana State Bobcats, they've had a tremendous year. They've really been kind of growing under Jeff Choate into a point where they're now, you know, a top five team in the nation. The Big Sky Conference has a good reputation in the FCS and when it comes to football. But when you look at Montana State, you know, on tape and kind of start to get familiarize yourself with the team, what do you see from them? We know that they, you know, they have a very strong defense in particular so when you're looking at them breaking yep. them down what do you see uh they're just a great well-coached well-rounded football team um their defense uh they like to confuse offensive lines with all their stunts and all that kind of stuff um with all their defensive fronts you know um and uh you know more and more tape i've been watching on them they're a big one high zone team 
um, and all that kind of stuff. And and sometimes they like to drop eight in the coverage, so there's not going to really be a lot of passing lanes for us offensively. But um, no, and then and then that just means that our O line, um, Alex and Carl, are just going to have to do a great job. And I really think that that they're going to go in there and just play their game, and uh, us collectively as an offense. Uh, we just got to stay confident, stay calm, um, and our plays will, will will come. One guy that Montana State's head coach pointed to as a real weapon for you guys is Juwan Green, and I know you'd probably agree, but like Coach Choate said, 80 catches, 16 touchdowns, that's impressive no matter what level of football you're playing at. You got 16 touchdowns in 13 games. It might, it might as well be Pop Warner. You're still, you're still killing people. So what have you seen out of Juwan this year? What makes him such a great weapon for you guys? He's just so athletic, uh, you know. At six foot one ninety or whatever he is, he uh, he runs a sub four four great route. He's got great hands. He's got great great football awareness and all that kind of stuff. Um, it, it definitely is a blessing to have number four on on our team. Um, he's just a huge weapon um, in our vertical passing game and, and all that kind of stuff. And and um, uh, we do a good job of of recognizing our one on one matchups because that's a big thing in this offense. And when Jawan's one-on-one, I'm going to him, and I'm going to keep going to him until teams can show me that they can stop. Well, that seems smart. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know a lot of football. That seems like the smart <laughs> thing to do back there. Just let him go up and make a play. Uh, Jeff exactly. Under- Jeff Undercuffler joining us. He's the quarterback of the University of Albany. Great Danes are going to uh, be playing at Montana State Saturday against the Bobcats. And, it's interesting to me, uh, uh, Jeff, when I look at your guys' season, you lose first game of the year to Central Michigan, obviously an FBS team. You, two of your other three losses, though, on a 9-4 and four year are by three points, one in overtime to Monmouth, who's nationally ranked, had a, had a great season this year. You're 9-4, and four, you finished the season, I think, ranked 25th in the FCS uh, stats standings. Do you think, though, that maybe you're a little bit better than than what people think and maybe because there isn't the history of playoff success that maybe some people are sleeping on you guys a little bit? Yeah, 100%. Um, all, all, all this season, you uh, Albany has just been overlooked. Um, everyone thinks that we're not as good as we are, um, and uh, we just use that has more fuel to our fire. And uh, um, this week, we, we just got to come out guns blazing all four quarters because football is a tale, a tale of two halves and all that kind of stuff. Um, so we're ready. Uh, we're ready to have fun, and we're ready to win. Tell us about your path to Albany. Who were you, else were you recruited by coming out of high school, and what was the main selling points that got you there at to New York State Capitol? Yeah. Um, well, at, at high school, I, I kind of feel like I was under-recruited. But, but but that's okay because we're rolling right now as a team and that, and that's ultimately that all all that matters. Um, but um, you know, uh, about four or five power five teams uh, started to visit me in in in, in high school uh, from from the beginning of junior to senior year and and I went to a couple camps and uh, they just never pulled through and and uh, one morning before I woke up for uh, for school I think it was on a, a Thursday or Friday. Uh, Coach Sutz called me, and uh, he goes, uh, "How would you like to to, uh, to receive a full scholarship at U Albany?" And and I, I believe that day or the next day, I I, I committed. Um, I went up to to my official visit. I had fun. I loved all the coaches. Um, and and from there, there was just no looking back. 
Was it always going to be football for you, Jeff? Because I know you're an outstanding baseball and basketball player in high school as well. Was was but was was football the sport that you said, "No, this is what I got to do." Uh, that's a good question because, like you said, in baseball, um, uh, I I played football, uh, basketball, and baseball. Uh, more importantly, I I played baseball my whole life until I was four, four or five, and uh, um my whole life up to sophomore year, that was pretty much my best sport. And uh, uh, my sophomore year at Holy Cross, we won our first uh, baseball state championship. So, and then um, the summer leading into junior year is when I got that, that offer from Albany. And like I said, uh, there was just no looking back from there. And, and I became a, a football player. And I, and right now, I love it. We talked to Coach Catuso a couple mornings ago, and you could just tell – He's an intense guy, and and reading everything about him and his background and where he comes from, and the fact that he was a you know defensive lineman at Penn State on a national championship team. How do you think yeah. just his personality, his persona, influences you guys as a team? And what's it like playing for a guy that is sort of a hard nosed defensive line type coach? Yeah, it, it, he, he's definitely a hard nosed guy. Um, like you said, all the linemen are they're all nasty, man. They're <laughs> they're they're uh, they're just dogs out in the world. They're animals. Um, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, uh, he's from Pittsburgh, um, and uh, Coach Gattuso, he, he's the man. Um, he's awesome. He's a great coach and even a better guy uh, every day during team meetings and all that kind of stuff. At their practices, all he does is just try to preach to his team that we're here for each other, and that's all that matters, all the coaches, the players, the trainers, and, and just our whole, fo- our whole football program is just one big team. And um, uh he just does a great job of just pouring confidence into us and just making sure that he knows that we know that he loves us. Jeff Undercuffler joining us. He's a quarterback of the University of Albany. Uh, will be playing in the second round of the FCS playoffs uh, after obtaining their first playoff win in program history last week against Central Connecticut State. And Jeff, I know, uh, you know, growing up in Jersey, now you're in the state capital of the state of New York, maybe Montana doesn't land on your radar all that much. But when you think about coming out to Montana, I know it's a business trip for you and all the guys, but is there is there a certain sort of interest factor or curiosity about going out into, uh, you know, the mountain time zone and seeing what the state of Montana is all about? I mean, yeah, there's like you said, first of all, it's, we're here for a business trip. We're coming there to, to win, a, to win a, a playoff football game. But um, also, you know, just we're from New York. They're from Montana. I bet you they've never been uh, to New York. And uh, we've certainly never been to Montana, and um, that's just obviously a, a, a different part of the world. And yeah, um, it, it, it's just going to be uh, so cool just, just playing playing at their big stadium. Um, I think like twenty five thousand fans, um, the uh, big time mounds in the back, um, and, and all that kind of stuff. So it's going to be so fun just just playing the uh, game we love um, with our coaches, our brothers, and. and, and and all that. So, well, Jeff, we're certainly looking forward to it. It's going to be a blast on Saturday. Travel well. We'll look forward to this game. We're really uh, excited to have Albany coming to the state of Montana. All right. Can't wait. Thank you guys so much.